are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me this morning, as usual, you know by now, it's the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird week. Um, the Flyers played a couple of games since our last show, and they lost most of them. And and that's kind of been the story uh, for a month or so here, is that the Flyers are losing a lot of games. But uh, we can, if we want, talk about some silver linings. There was a decent effort against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday, and then not a terrible effort against Washington on Saturday. You know, uh, it could have been I- way worse, I guess. Listen, I'm looking. I, I said silver linings. All right, no, you, <laughs> either that sure. or we're doom and gloom all show again. Well, no, your silver linings become uh, probably become more about individuals than it becomes about team result at that point. Like, and we'll talk about silver, a specific silver lining as we 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 can even get into that now here if you well, want. There were there were there were two, and I guess if since you mentioned the Thursday game, we'll start with we can start with the fact that Carter Hart played well in that game and he basically did. won and basically won the game for them. I mean, yeah. that's what you need to see. Now, of course, the unfortunate part is as, as you know, Saturday morning hit, and he's not feeling right, so he sat out the game. I assume he's out. To, he's out tonight too. I mean, Elliot's going to start anyway. That was the plan, right? But, well, and the, and the nice thing is now you're out of the playoff contention. So at this point, give Carter Hart all the time he needs. There's no rush. There's no. If the Flyers are still in the thick of the playoff race, Brian Elliott probably would have started Saturday. You know, you try to get Carter Hart right for Sunday. You're throwing everybody off. Everybody's off schedule. Now, no problem. Take the foot off the gas pedal. Alex Lyon gets the start. And yeah, sure, he kind of gets lit up. But he's Alex Lyon. That's kind of what we expect from him at this point. Well, Sorry, and, Alex. Well, and not, look, not only that, but he didn't get any, He barely got any time. He found out two hours before the game. Right. If you're that's finding the thing. out two hours before the game, pretty much, that this is your start. And you're a guy who, by the way, has made how many starts since last April? And not May or March no. or whatever, like the guy barely played. So right. credit to him for stepping in and doing the job and 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 accepting the accepting the challenge. Right, and I I wasn't disparaging Alex Lyon because I do think he's a solid goaltender, and I think I think there's a world where he develops into a decent little backup when Brian Elliott moves on. Uh, at the current moment, though, Alex Lyon is an AHL guy. You know, there's a reason he's on the taxi squad. There's a reason he's not exactly on your main roster. And when he gets a start with two hours notice against a team as good as the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin's going to beat him a couple of times, and he did. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, there was so much that was predictable about that. Ovechkin even scoring in the game was predictable. Them scoring, and it was Ovechkin again, but them scoring after Nick Kubel takes another penalty. Yep. Predict- predictable. Uh, I mean, the defensive, realistically, at that point in time, then he gave up three goals that were, you know, one of them hits a shin pad on the way in, so that's why it goes in. Yep. And one of them's a defensive breakdown, so Evgeny, Evgeny Kuznetsov has nobody on him at all, so go ahead and be your skilled self at that point. And it's one of the better shots on a very skilled team. Like, if, if Evgeny right. Kuznetsov can score some goals. Right, it was, and as good, you're saying that, like, as good as Ovechkin is, right? Mm. Like, um, that too. And then, and, and, and then the deflection by Shiri is what it is. I mean... They were pressing again. It was a one-goal game, and they're pressing, and they find a way to get that goal. And Yeah, I mean, Lyon look, didn't the, play poorly by any stretch. No, I mean, Alex Lyon made 35 saves in that game. Yeah. So when you face 40 shots, because the, the, they had 41 total, but one of them was an empty net goal, so obviously. Right. So when you face 40 shots, you know, you're not getting off easy there. I mean, that, and especially when you were thrown into action, kind of. Like, that's, you know, all things considered, that's a decent day. I mean, like, right. 
the fact that they even pulled you at the end of the game to say, come to the bench, there's still Let's try to get a win shot. here. Yeah. There's still a shot in some way. You at least kept them in the game. And I mean, there's not a goal in there that I would say, you know, I mean, look, th- there were people who said, oh, he, you know, he didn't play the Ovechkin goals. Well, like, don't give me any of that when he's a third stringer who is playing against the best goal scorer of this generation. 730 goalies have played that poorly in the past. Give Alex Lyon a break. Well, right? not, we're exa- t- not exactly 730, but 730 times people have screwed up there. Yes. Okay, Alex Lyon scoring from that spot. It might not be 730, but it might be well into the 600s the way he scores. I hear you. Well, or, well, <laughs> it no, seems you, like all his goals well, are from that spot. Well, from that spot, sure. But I'm, I'm saying he's faced a lot of the same goalies Absolutely. over the years. And, I know. And, and, no, and guess, <laughs> no, and guess what? Like, do it this way. Has Henrik Lundqvist allowed goals to him on a regular basis during his prime years? Yep. Has Marc-Andre Fleury allowed goals to him during his prime years? Did Martin Brodeur allow been, goals to him no, during, Braden, you know? Yeah. Like, Braden, you know, pick, take your pick, Braden Holtby, yep. um, Tuka Rask. You know, the, they play these teams regularly, and he scores all the time. The best That's goalies of the last two decades have all yeah. let Alex, Alex Ovechkin score on them at one time or another. Pretty much, and yeah, he... he Look, I just continue to go. I've seen him a, a number of times. I marvel at his shot. I, I just think you know, it. It's always. It, I, I believe. I remember. I don't know if I said it on here, but when they moved us back upstairs, when the fans were allowed back in, it was right before Washington came to Philly for the first time this year, right. and I was di- and I was disappointed because my vantage point pre you know prior to that down lower level you're staring right down the Ovechkin I'm, spot I'm practically looking down the lane that the shot would come and I just wanted to see it from that spot just once. You know, to watch it for that from that vantage point and see how how fast the thing takes off because you know he's just incredible and every you know this is that's his second two goal game this season against the Flyers he's got eight total in six games I believe yeah players are doing uh Severe. I feel like players are doing severe damage against the Flyers this year, right? Think about what Mika Zibanejad's done. Think about what Alex Ovechkin's done. Think about what Patrice Bergeron has done against the Philadelphia Flyers or, this season. Or David Pasternak, yeah. Right. For whatever for whatever reason, star players are absolutely torching the Flyers this year. Because I think I think that has to do with if you if you've got them, then you need them to be successful. Yep. You know, I, I don't think. You know, every team that's in, you know, if we just look at specifically every team that's in the East picture right now. You know, I, look, and I don't, I don't know if the Islanders have a star player the way that the other three teams do. Who, you could argue Matt Barzell's a star player, oh, but I and get what I, you're I, and I call him a super, I call him a superstar. But you could make the argument that Barzell's not in the category with the other guys we can mention from the other three teams. That's he hasn't that. produced on that level consistently enough to necessarily be there yet. Yeah. Sure, and and well, yeah. not only that, but but realistically, has he lit up the Flyers this year? Not really. I mean, he's no. not the goal no. scorer. I mean, he's he's making plays, but he's not he's not scoring the goals like that. So you go Bergeron, Pasternak, Marchand for for Boston, the usual trio. Then you and go now Taylor Wild. Hall. Well, that, <laughs> we'll talk. Well, <laughs> we will, but that's that they don't play him again with that. So know, we don't know if thankfully. Taylor Hall will be there next year. And and thankfully. by that point anyway, and uh, by that point anyway, they'll play the Boston Bruins three times again. I have a feeling Taylor Hall will be there next year, just the circumstances regarding how Taylor Hall got to Boston. But anyway. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to tell you yes and no, and I'll tell you why. Yes, I think he is. he's enjoying it there. Yes, I think he'd be willing to go back. He's going to have to take a massive pay cut. I think he's willing to. 
And, and if he is more power to him then, because then all of a sudden I will change my tune on the way I felt about him when he went to Buffalo. Because we'll, going to Buffalo for $8 million. That was a selfish year, move. Yeah. Was kind of, you know, as much as he, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But he can, Yeah, we he have a trade. Wanted, you know. Uh, we'll get into that, but he said. Yeah, he we have a trade deadline conversation queued up for a little bit later. In the right. meantime, uh, you mentioned the one glowing star of the week, and that was Carter Hart looking really solid Thursday against well, the Penguins. Uh, Carter Hart only, uh, I believe, he only started one game this week. He only started Thursday, right? He but he looked fantastic, go, like we right, were talking I, about. I, and it would have been great to. It would have been truthfully, it would have been great if we would have gotten to see him follow it up and play Saturday. Absolutely, that was the, it was the expectation. It might have, you know, quite honestly, who knows? It might have been a closer game. Because it would, and it would have quieted a lot of the conversation that we've had about Carter Hart having such a poor season. If he can come back out and put two good back-to-back performances together, and you know, obviously, we didn't right. get a chance to see that. But the other, uh, the other star this week, uh, we had a Philadelphia Flyer make their NHL debut. Uh, Kevin, tell tell our listeners if they don't know, who's Wade Allison? Well. Wade Allison was a second-round pick a few years back. I believe it was 2016. And he, you know, this is a guy who, first of all, as a college prospect, this is what happens. I, like, there's a lot of people going, 2016? Like, I, how, how come I don't even remember? Right, it's five years ago. Or, I've never heard this guy's name. Who is well, this? Right. This is, this is what college prospects go through because you determine how long you want to play in college. And you could be the Cam York type who goes and plays for two, two seasons in college and turns around and then says, I'm going pro. Right. And those guys who go pro after that are, you know, they're still 21 years old and they've been out of the draft for two years and you're going, they're 20, 21 years old and they've been out of the draft for two years and you go, oh, now they're here. Okay. That's like, quite honestly, that almost follows the same path as the junior kids to an extent. You right. It's a, it's a first round pick. He went back to another team for a couple of years. Now he joined your team. Cool. That's how it works. That's how right. it works for a when lot of you, these junior players. So right. when you get these Guys like Tanner Lazinski and now Wade Allison, who not only were college prospects, but played their four-year careers. They went in through college. college. They went through. Right. They graduated. They did all that stuff. You got one. You know, Lazinski was Ohio State. You have, um, you know, um, and now Wade Allison was Western Michigan. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They could have gone through their college careers, not signed with the Flyers, and chosen a team. Correct? They could have gone the, the Jimmy VC route or the. Uh, there are a couple of college guys who have done kind of similar things. Yeah, sure. And I, I mean, look, here's the thing about it, too. It, it depends on your response to, I guess, the process of going through the college system and also what you can do at other. Like, Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski were able to, uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm, I don't want to make it seem like they were there every single year or right. that they didn't, like, because both guys have battled through injury stuff before. They've, but they've been to development camps. Like they're still allowed to go to development camp as right. a player with it, you know, on the team who has their rights. They just and, can't make and, any money because it's the NCAA, right? And and that's why when the when the season actually starts, they're not able to just sit there and say, "Oh, let's like." I know there's a lot being made. And I'm not trying to shift gears from Wade Allison and Tanner Lazinski as college kids to a different level here, but there's a lot being made about Tyson Forrester and Zade Wisdom, and we like those players. Don't get me wrong; they've been a lot of fun to watch at the minor league level. A lot of fun to watch, yeah. But they're only in the minors right now because of a technicality. They're only right. there because the OHL and the OHL is the only Canadian Junior League that's not back yet because Ontario right. has totally different restrictions and government guidelines and things like that than the other places do and that creates you know this sort of kind of creates this situation to an extent but like what you're getting at is is that 
at this point in time, you've gone this far. This is we're talking from January, trying to return to play. The AHL comes back. It's February. They've been playing for two months. Now they haven't been playing for almost two weeks, you know, and that's a whole another story. I mean, let's just say, be glad that Wade Allison's here. Be glad that Tanner Lazinski's here. Be glad that, you know, there's possibilities for other guys who may have escaped this, that they're able to come up and practice. And well, that's like why that. Cam York hasn't made his debut, right? Because the, the, the Phantoms haven't played in two weeks. So so get this, and this was a kind of late-night thing for me, but so Cam York has not made his pro debut yet, correct? He was supposed to. I believe he signed. What, when did he sign? On the 7th, uh, I think it was. So we did like our that. show. We did our show last Sunday. He was supposed to make his debut with the Phantoms the night prior. Right, the, that weekend. So the Saturday he is, prior. He signed, I believe, on like the Wednesday of that week. And, and right. Right Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Or something like that. And then not only that, but right after that, it was the, the word came out about the assignment to the Phantoms, and everybody was basically sitting here. And I believe he, I believe he did have one practice. I think that when they – because they practice on Friday, right. the uh, 9th, I guess it would, would have been. And they so they practiced on the 9th. And he was supposed to, or he should have been, as far as I know, on the ice, participating, getting ready. And the thought was, he's going to make his debut the, on the Saturday. The plan was that he was going to make his debut on Saturday. And that game got pulled fairly quickly before puck drop, right? Um, Not really quickly before puck drop, but I do think it was morning of. Oh, okay. I thought it was later in the afternoon. I'm sorry. Okay. No, it was morning of because there was a 2 o'clock flyer game last Saturday. Cause they played Maybe Boston. that's what I'm thinking of. It threw me off. Before. It might. It was either before I left or right as I went to go leave and get down there. So we're talking twelve, twelve thirty. That's when I think the word came out. At least Saturday was off. Before it was either before I got home from the game that day or maybe not long after. Sunday was off the table. Sunday was off too. And right. Then shortly thereafter, it was Wednesday's gone. Saturday, Sunday, the following weekend gone. Like all that. So right. it was a, you know. Now they're officially just trying to get back on back on the ice at this point. So yeah. So either so, way, Cam York hasn't made his debut yet. Uh, thankfully, uh, we do have these players that have had the opportunity to skate with the Phantoms for a little while before they so, uh, kind of paused out, and we ended up getting Wade Allison coming up. Well, so anyway, back to Cam York for one second, yeah. because this was okay. the late-night thing I was talking about. Apparently, and I haven't seen anything from the team yet, it's, it's still kind of early on Sunday. The game isn't until 6.30. Pre-game media veil is probably going to be late afternoon, like 4-ish or something like that. Cam York, according to Cat Friendly, was moved up to the Flyers taxi squad last night oh, that's very interesting now i turn around and before everybody freaked out and like because there were a lot of people going so one person went oh york tomorrow and another one went probably not but maybe like later this week or whatever or like late actually like, well, you got a couple days off now we can yeah, come yeah. up and practice with the nhl squad okay. practice with elaine vino and then next week you have four games against the new jersey devils what better time to break a kid in well here's the thing about that they're on a COVID pause right now. The Phantoms are. So he's not playing games. He's not even practicing. So I think that this is also possibly a technicality to say. Just get him up so he can practice. The taxi squad guys get to practice. So maybe you just get him skating so that if you have intention. Because now let's put it this way. You've played two games already. You played Thursday and you played since pretty much. Or I'm sorry. Well, let's go back to even earlier this week since our last show. You played Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You're playing against Sunday. By the time you're done on Sunday, you have 11 games left. If you have 11 games left. Two more coming up rapid fire this weekend. Thursday, Friday, right yeah, right on there. And then another one on Sunday. And then you're back into basically the final two weeks. Right. If you want him to play in the final two weeks of the season to see what he's got at this level, then you you just got to get not? him on the ice. Well, you got to yeah. get him on the ice. So at the very least, you can call him up. They're not going to practice tomorrow because of a back-to-back. But they will practice on Tuesday and Wednesday leading into Thursday. 
Why not get him on the ice on Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe on the ice Thursday, not with the rest of the team, but go skate, go skate Friday. You know, you could, in a way, by making him practice that much, if you wanted to, set him up for a home debut on the following Sunday again. Yeah, I don't hate it. You know, if you wanted to. Like, I don't think he's playing tonight. I don't think he's playing later this week. But I, th- I think a week from now, if he skates exclusively with the team and gives them something that they feel is impressive enough, it's possible. Now, I, I don't love the idea. I would have loved for him to have had – I mean, let's put it this way. If he would have had – I believe by now he might have had five AHL games or would have been on yeah, the – You'd feel a lot better if he played five games and looked good. You'd feel a lot better about maybe giving him a chance to skate with the big boys for a couple before well, and the look, season I don't, ends here. I don't love the idea of, you know, kind of in the same vein as a Wade Allison. I don't love the idea of making him, like, debut – on the road because okay. you do have some fans in the building and quite frankly right now as I mentioned a little bit last week you could kind of use just about anything you could to get people to come in and want to see this team well I was going to say I, I think that if you see Cam York this season and and moving him to the tax squad again indicates that they're interested in at least getting him a little bit of time with the NHL team in right. some capacity so, so, but what I'm saying is, is that so if he would have started right. his, if he would have started last weekend he would have played Saturday or Friday, Saturday, or, yeah, or Saturday, Sunday. I'm sorry. It was Saturday, Sunday. So he would have played Saturday, Sunday. They had a game on Wednesday that got moved. I think, again, this weekend it would have been a Saturday, Sunday deal or Friday, Saturday or one of those, right? Right. And my, I, point, my point is that if you would have started this process where, like, again, you give them one more pro weekend and say, next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're down there. And after that, get ready. You're for up Tuesday, here, right. But get ready for Tuesday. But Tuesday's a road game. So I kind of like that's the only thing that shied me away from that. Yeah, I think if you're you're going to see Cam York before the end of the season, and I think you're going to see it at home because I think the team knows it needs a little bit of a it needs a little bit of PR right now. It needs something good to get excited about. Now, depending oh. on I mean, depending on when you when the Phantoms are out of their situation. By the way, you could circle May first, which is a home game, yeah, and say there's six games left at that point in the season. You're in all of them, and that's a good spot to bring them up at that point, right? Because you're looking at uh, New Jersey, a back to get back against Pittsburgh, both at home, a back to get back to back against Washington, both on the road, and then New Jersey again at home to finish it out. Now he probably won't play all four of those games against Pittsburgh and Washington, just because they're on back to backs. And again, I, young I kid, like you're probably not going to. I don't know. I think they would. To be honest, I think they would, and they'd rather. <sighs> I think the I fact that you have seven, eight, nine defensemen that you're like circling around i don't know i don't think you play him back to back against a heavy team like washington you know when when the kid has three games under his shift do you really want him going up against you know these monsters in washington back to back nights just getting destroyed i don't know um, that's just me and i know i like i know and we got to see how he looks obviously well, and, there's pe- no, and there's people who obviously there's people who sit there and say don't subject him to this don't you know whatever you're never gonna know until you bring him up, though. Like this is I how agree. this is how. I mean, let's do this way. Do you would you if Rasmus Dahlin was a prospect? Let's say he was a prospect again instead of the first overall pick, jumping right in. Would you call him up right now if you were Buffalo and say just you got the rest of the season? The games don't. No, I'm saying, but no. Well, hold on. I mean, truthfully, the games don't matter. You're on the ice for 20 minutes. You play to your the best of your own abilities, and even if the team gets shelled five nothing with the other four guys that go out there. We just want to see you. Um, he's not. He's not responsible for the whole thing. I mean, this goes back to like, honestly, I see people. Like, I saw people who, uh, you know, 
like I've seen people who talk about Claude Giroux this way and sit there and go, I don't know why people defend him. He hasn't done anything as captain, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're one player. This is the ultimate team sport. So I don't care if he's playing with a team that you don't like the looks of it or whatever. They all, We all know. Everybody knows people in the organization, people outside of the organization. Know how much work is going to need to be done in the offseason. But that's where you got to start because if he's got a spot next year and he can solve part of your problem, you got to give it a shot. So if you're Elaine Vigneault, yeah. And Chuck Fletcher comes to you and says, hey, we're calling up Cam York. We want to see him get some time. We want to see what the kid has before the end of the season. Who are you playing him with? Who's his defense partner? Because the easy answer is Ivan Provorov, right? If you want to see what the kid can do, put him next to Ivan Provorov. Ivan Provorov will play solid fundamental hockey. No. And Cam York can show off whatever skill he's got. No, that's not the easy answer because they're both lefties. So I don't see that happening. It... It might be Justin Braun, believe it or not, and I say that because Braun's probably been as as bad as this is going to be, like going to sound to people. And it's the reality of the situation, so don't shoot the messenger here. Justin Braun's been the most consistent defenseman his team's had all year. And, I you know, I think that's fair to say. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean I'm saying he's good. I'm just telling you that this year, with the problems they've had on the back end, he's probably been the most consistent, and that's why he's not subjected to the possibility of being removed from the lineup unless he's hurting because you know they they're not scratching Provrov, they're not scratching braun they're not scratching sanheim it comes down to is moran playing is Hag playing is myers playing is, is gostaspear playing is gostaspear playing is somebody else is right. insert name here playing right right now Speaking of guys that we could see get a chance this year, and while, while we're kind of discussing defensemen here, uh, what's the word on Igor Zamula? Now, he's been battling something from what I understand. Oh, he has he been. Was, he was hurt, hurt a little bit in the minors, so I don't okay. know. I, not, see, look, obviously, again, back to the Phantom situation, not trying to make this, and we're, we're totally taken away from what we started with, which was Wade Allison, which I will get back into, yeah, I, I no. promise. But he's, uh, like, now that you've had two weeks, almost, since your last practice, He's getting a lot, a lot of time to just heal up at this point for whatever it is. If he wasn't, if he wasn't playing, I think can't be a bad thing. And, I think he was in and out of the lineup. I think it's just a nagging thing. I don't think it's anything like that was long term. I just think it was, you never know. Kind of, I think it was more of like a day to day type of situation that just continued to linger for a while. That's my that's my best guess. But I know that they've let's go this way. They gave him a tease to an extent when they put him in for that preseason game in the bubble and yep. just said you're getting a shot. Just to look at you, and he, Man, and he, he looks did, solid. And, and he didn't play for the rest of the playoffs, but he got one shot with NHL players. I mean, that's still a lineup with Crosby and all that on the other side because they played Pittsburgh that game. And he didn't play a lot, but got a shot, you know. And that's all you can ask for, right? You know, so that's where the situation lies for now, and you go from there to an extent. I mean, if he's available, I don't wouldn't be shocked if they tried to get him up there. But obviously, right now, one of the things they've got is Cam York just played a college season and called it a college career, and they need him to skate. And they yep. know he's... He, he's but, a recent first-round pick, and let's see what he's got. And not only that, but like the, uh, when right, uh, right around the same time that that little... You know, that, that tweet came out from Cat Friendly that it was a transaction that was made. Doesn't, like, doesn't mean we have any confirmation from the team. Doesn't mean anybody else has said anything. It just happened to show up on Cat Friendly. Right. Um, there was people... I saw, like... A video clip come into play from World Juniors, and they go, "Look at Cam York take on the much taller and stronger Quinn Quinton Byfield, and take care of him, and just take him out of the play, 
which is a good positioning play. He might be close to being, I mean, he is a college kid, so he played older town. It's not like he's the old, it's not like he's the 20-year-old playing 18-year-olds. He's right. the 20-year-old playing as, everybody. The difference between college and juniors is instead of 16-year-olds playing with 19-year-olds, it's it's 19-year-olds playing with 22-year-olds. Basically, so instead of being the biggest fish in a small pond in juniors, you're right. kind of a smaller fish in the larger pond of the NCAA. But this is, I mean, as we've already said, this is the type of stuff that will exactly get people a little bit amped up to come out and see th these games. I mean, not that there's a lot of stuff going on with that anyway, and not a lot of people can come in, but like, if you want to have some interest in this, you've got to start showcasing the guys who might be here next year to help out, and it sure sounded like, by all accounts, when they had Cam York do a press availability, it sure sounded like it wasn't just like a, you know, we're going to give him a shot at the NHL this year and then go from there. It was, they're kind of trying to groom him for next year's roster. In a way. I'm sure, and why wouldn't you at this point, right? We're looking at we're looking at this team, and what have we been talking about all season long, right? We still don't have a Matt Niskanen replacement. And maybe he's not that right away, obviously, because I think it's a little... It's a little presumptuous to think that the kid can step into a top pair rolling role right away, but at the same time, you're looking that left that left such a hole, right? And immediately we started talking about okay, who goes and fills that role? Okay, does Phil Myers go up? Okay, when Phil Myers go up, who plays with Travis Sanheim? And maybe Cam York slots in in that kind of spot, right? And one of those guys, Sanheim or Myers, or if Ghost continues playing well, or whoever's up playing with Provorov next year, maybe Cam York slides down and. If he plays as well as the team is hoping that he can play, he can kind of slot down there in the in the top four somewhere. Here's the thing with this, and I kind of the, the, now we're we're still back to shifting gears. We're still not on. Wade we're still Allison. we're still on Cam York. Sorry. No, it's not. No, it's not on Cam. <laughs> it's not on Cam York. Well, this kind of works with Wade Allison too, to an extent. Yeah. We when we watch prospects, one of the things that really needs to change collectively, fan wise, management wise, everything is this almost overvaluing I called it of players because you know what we why did we all assume that Phil Myers was going to jump into the top pairing spot because we because we thought we were seeing the growth the right way and we went he's really continuing to progress along and now he's we think he's ready for that you know that kind of workload and that responsibility right because we saw we saw the season before we saw a player take an expanded role and jump on it and look good. And the more right. minutes he got, the better he looked. So we assumed that that would continue into 22 minutes a night, 24 minutes a night. Right. But what I'm trying to get at is that, like, to an extent, what I'm trying to get at is every player has been, every defenseman this team has drafted has been, oh, that guy could be a number one or a top pairing guy. And every forward they've drafted has been a, oh, that guy could be your new, you know, top six, one of your top six guys, something like that. And maybe top six is reasonable sometimes, but, like, the, you're shooting for the highest of the high when you've got to balance out. Like for ex and for example, you finally kind of figured it out with Shane Goss's bear, right? Like, and I'm not saying he's Hopefully. the best. Hold on, and I'm, not, <laughs> and I'm not saying he's the best player, and I'm not saying he should be here next year per se. If they move on from him, they decide to move on from him. I get why, right? But my point is, is that where has he had his most success? Third pairing, top power play. You divide the minutes up. You give him 10 minutes on the third pairing at even strength. You give him five minutes of power play time. You're done. And you don't. And you can give him more than 10 minutes of even strength time if the result allows. Why right. did the Flyers play last year the way they did and roll four lines and three D pairs the way they did? Because they got into third periods of games and because went you up could. 
Well, because they went, got in the third period games and went up four to one, and you go, yeah. well, we got this one in control. Let's just keep doing what we're doing, and they, you don't have to do anything complex and tricky about it. You can just roll the lines, and you don't have to even, and you didn't have to shake up the lines regularly either. You know, they're doing that an awful lot this year. So, it's almost like the light bulb should go off when, oh, you mean to tell me Shane Gosper plays better when he's utilized properly? Who knew, right? What a concept. Players play better when they're in their role. So what's the problem if Phil Meyer's ceiling is third-pairing right defenseman? What's the problem if Travis Sanheim's ceiling is where he is, second-pairing? What's the problem if Ivan Provrov isn't a number one but a number two? And you say he's the second guy. Now you need the number one who goes next to him. Right. Like you've got to figure that stuff out. Like I feel like we're doing that with just about everybody. Like and we're trying our best not to get too over the top with Joel Farabee right now because Joel Farabee's having a good year. And you go, don't put him on the top line just yet, though. It's one year and it's his second year in the league. Don't go that far. Like to be honest with you, Travis Konechny had an outstanding year last year. Was an All Star and everybody went, well, there's your top one of your top line wingers. There's your goal scorer, right? I would say safely, I and uh, granted, I just I was having this conversation a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? If there's any player who, and I know that people don't want to hear COVID and all that stuff like that, but if there's any player I give the COVID excuse to this year from a, from a production standpoint, it's Konechny. Because Konechny doesn't go out and score 24 goals each of the last three years and then come out and go ice cold no. and, and go on the COVID list in that year and all that stuff. It doesn't happen at, by coincidence. I think he's feeling, I think the amount of games they're playing and the way the schedule broke down and the fact that he was on the COVID list all factor in. And I would yeah. say, and I would say, get him to next year and give, like, now granted, do I curb my expectations? Absolutely. I sit there and I say, he could be a really good 25 goal scorer who plays on the second line and, yeah. power, and power play. And that's what he is. He could be what James Van Riemsdyk was in Toronto. A little more, because I think he's got the chops because as, as a... As a skater, he's got the chops to play be a better role than Van Riemsdyk does. That's fair. Like, he, like it's weird. He's a chippy player, and he can be that energy, feisty kind of guy. But he can not be that, Brad Marchand if he needs to. Yes, but see, yes and no, because he can be that attitude, but he's not physically capable like Marchand is. Like, and he, he doesn't. The, and he doesn't have. Uh, Mar does Marchand have more skill oh, than sure. Travis Konechny? Probably, right? Like. Again, Brad you Marchand see, has more skill because of like what we see in the shootout. To be quite honest, right? Well, except for when he just grazes the top of the puck. Yeah, um, that that was the exception, not the rule. Because he's got he's gone in and done a lot of better, a lot of things better than okay. that. Okay, speaking of shootouts, we're here and we're gonna get back to Wade Allison in like just a second. I promise. But I have to mention the shootout moves from, uh, from Drew uh, Claude Giroux and and Sean Couturier. That Sean Couturier move, that little Marty St. Louis. Flip to the back skate, backhand, flip at top shelf. Man, it's it's nice seeing that level of skill from a Flyers well, I, forward, I even if it's in the worst way to determine a, a hockey game that's ever existed. I want to go in order because Jeruz was first, and yeah, it's not that Jeruz was anything overly outrageous. Like you know, it's on, it's a nice move. Now hold on, a minute. It, the thing I think with that one was not that it's not a move that's never been seen before, but how often does he do that? He's either the backhand, go to the backhand guy, or just let it go. Right. He's, he's not really the, I'm going to find a way to cut back on my forehand and make that move. I mean, that was a little, kind of to an extent, that was a little bit Danny Briere-esque in a way. That was Claude Giroux showing us all that even at, what is he, 32, 33, something along those lines, even in his early 30s, 
Cap still got some new tricks. He's and not. I, he's not I solved wish, yet. And I wish that people like I, everybody wants him off the team. Practically the way it sounds, and I wish that people would just understand <sighs> that, that half of the battle here, half of the battle is if you were to put him on a lesser role if he still wasn't regarded as the top guy because that's what the problem is i mean and i'm you not still like, look at him as the guy who should be having 102 points and leading yeah. the team to the playoffs and anchoring the 2012 playoff run and and he's just not right I, well, it's, it's the, the the famous the famous torch passing right that that that, that torch never got passed sorry sam well, that tweet I, hasn't aged well <laughs> I, I I got asked this question earlier this week on 97.3, and I think this is a fair thing to bring up because there's people who sit there and go, you know, what not what is his legacy, whatever, you know, all this and that. And I turned and said, you know, one of the things about him as a captain that I think it did him a disservice is who he came after because I, I even said he's not different from any other captain this team has had in terms of the style with which he leads. He's not different from any other captain they've had in the last 20 years. Yep. Eric Lindros did not go in and give speeches and yell at people. He went out and played hard. Keith Primo did not go in and necessarily give speeches. He just played hard. Mike Richards was go out and lay a big hit on somebody, go make a play, and everybody get behind me and follow the leader, please. Right. You know, like, but he didn't go in and give rah-rah speeches. Then you got Chris Pronger. And Chris right. Pronger got in there, and when the microphone was in front of him, or when it was not, he, had no he, problem. he was, was willing to call out players. He was willing to get in front of the media and have an attitude and be snarky and do all There's that a stuff. reason he got a job as a public figure for the league after he retired. He's a good speaker, and he knows it. <laughs> but not only that, like, he... He had a different style, and people embraced the fact that if something wasn't right, like they, you know, how many times people probably still go to the, you know, the game against, I believe it was against Calgary, where they get the overtime goal called back. He's standing in front of the goalie, and they, and then, and the media is asking him, "Well, what were you doing there, trying to?" Put, and he goes, "What does it matter? You know, like the puck went in the net. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything in front of him that I shouldn't have been. It went in the net. It should have been a goal." You know, and right. and the snapback with that to even just and that has nothing to do with a teammate, has nothing to do with leading the team. That just has to do with the media asking a question. But he went right at it right there, and you know, there, and there was that whole story about him. I believe him and Giroux, at, like when Giroux was a younger yeah, guy, a story that Giroux has out, told, yeah, right, and calling him out and things like that. But is anybody going in there right now? And I, again, we're trying to get back to Thursday when Wade Allison debuted, but let's go back to Tuesday. Is anybody going in there after the, yet another 6-1 to one loss, the fifth time this year by that score, and going, does anybody care anymore? I Do you care about how this looks? No. And I, I think... I don't know what it is. I really don't know. Yeah, I think we want... Elaine Vino to be the one doing it, but it's got to come from the players at this but point. Elaine Vigneault, like, that's but that's not Elaine his Vigneault's responsibility. Not, but Elaine Vigneault's not John Tortorella, okay? Right. Like you can't have. And again, he's not even John Quinville. In terms John, of, I, I think John Quinville. Joel, Joel Quinville. Or Joel Quinville. I'm sorry. No, 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 there is a John Quinville. That's yeah, the there thing. John is. Quinville's right. like some low end defenseman or I know. something like that. I know. Um, <sighs> no, but like here. All right. So here's the thing about that. Again, does it is there a little bit of a precedent set by a previous coach that makes everybody want that person to be that? Like, does everybody just like it sounds to me like most of the modern day fans and even some of the ones who are a little old school 
want some old school vibe and want basically want Chris Pronger back as captain. I was about to say and, you just mentioned Chris Pronger. You talk and, old school. That is well, the definite. That is the last remaining definition of old school well, hockey. So, no, I feel like they want Chris Pronger back as captain, and they want the guy who was on the other bench on Saturday back as the head coach. They want Peter Laviolette back. Yeah, to an extent, and like I'm not sitting here saying like, you know, the best thing. Truth. Okay, the best the best thing that could have happened to Elaine Vigneault was last season when he was the new guy. Was that the fact that they had cameras all over the place for training camp because for behind the saw, glass when yeah. you saw him skating around, sitting here going, Do be it a again. bleeping flyer. Well, not even that. Go skating out of practice on the ice, skating around, going, we're gonna do it again because it's not good enough. And he's you know calling everybody and he's yelling at at him and things like that. And people are seeing that fire and they're going, ooh, there's no nonsense because because what was the whole thing? And okay. Not Craig Ruby, not Scott Gordon, but what was, you know, it was Dave Haxtell was supposed to be this no-nonsense guy, and did he turn out to be a no-nonsense guy? Not really, you know? And Turns out wanted, Dave Haxtell was an accountant, and you could just run him over in a heartbeat. I, I, I was a supporter of him, but Dave Haxtell wasn't exactly a strong personality. The, the more that that went on, the more you could see it wasn't a natural fit. Right. And, and here's the thing. I think Dave Haxtell can coach in this league as an assistant. Like, I think he can be a good assistant coach at the NHL level. I think that that's – I think Chris Knobloch can be a good assistant at this level. I think Dave Haxtell has the mind to be an NHL coach. I don't know if Dave Haxtell has the fire to be an NHL coach. I never, I never saw him – there was nothing. There was never – if Dave Haxtell comes in and delivers your game seven Stanley Cup speech, it's like, all right, guys, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna we're gonna play really hard and we're gonna execute our game plan and then we're gonna win. All right, let's go, boys. And that's the speech. That's it. <laughs> and that's just not good enough, right? That's and I, I, we talk about does anybody care? And uh, I think we wanted Alain Vigneault to come in and kind of be that fiery voice of I care. I'm here to. But it's just it's, it doesn't seem to be carrying through, at least on the ice. I mean, I should you know, they I didn't I wish I would have thought of it in, in hindsight. I just thought of it now because as I'm watching that six to one game, knowing that it's you know getting out of hand more and more. Saturday didn't get out of hand enough for me to do it because it was always no because it was always close. It was one one two two four two close to four three and then ultimately you know it was it wasn't more than a two goal game at any point until after no it was end. fairly competitive for a no, while until the end until the empty net right. goal so that's when it became a three a three goal loss but the it, it, it's the scene from Slapshot, and it's not a coach it's it's the owner who comes down and goes we're losing they're burying us alive and it's like how many times can we say that about this team like where you like where do you want that to be Anybody, you want it to be Chuck Fletcher, you want it to be Dave Scott, you want it to be whatever, and go. They're burying us alive out there for crying out loud. Like that would that's that's Ed Snyder for you, like all those years ago, where it was like nine nothing and eight to three and seven to three and six to one does not sit well with no. people who sh you know, especially let's say, especially when I don't, I didn't realize this when I walked into the building yesterday for the six three loss to Washington, but I didn't re I didn't realize I was going to a Washington Capitals home game. Kind of yeah, enjoyable. it did. It did sound like a lot of Capitals fans on the broadcast. I mean, it was loud in there, and they and they, and well, they we, came prepared. They came with you know there was a set, at least down the end where I was. There's cowbells going off. There's I heard multiple caps 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 caps. That's a rough chant, you know, by the like way. That. During the oof. during the during the anthem, you heard them all yell red. 
You know, like they're, well, they're, that's here's the thing. We talked about it. It's it's a perfect storm for situations like that because we're talking about limited seating that they're already having a hard time filling. Right? We made some allusions on our last show to uh, quite a lot of complimentary tickets. Washington's not that far. We talked earlier in the show. Their fans can't even go to their home games. Why wouldn't you drive three hours to Philly? You know, when when these tickets are readily available and you know they're going to hear you because there's nobody in the building. You go to you go to a twenty thousand seat building and you're you're an enemy fan. You can yell stuff, whatever. Your team's not going to hear you when there's thirty eight hundred people. Mm-hmm. Man, you can go to a road game and talk directly to Alex Ovechkin if you want. Well, I and, I, the way I described it too is when Boston was here a week ago. Brad Marshan was the nicest guy in the world because after warm-ups, he stood there for five minutes grabbing pucks and trying to find, you know, oh, there's four Bruins fans behind, you know, where the tunnel is. And they're far up. They're pretty high up. But he's Oh, he was chucking them. But he was just go ahead and throwing them, whatever, and things like that. I mean, I even watched, and I'm not kidding about this, Jeremy Swayman was the starting goalie that day again, and he's throwing a puck. You know, and they lost that. Now, they later on lost that game, but... And let's look like Swayman kept them in the game long enough. You know, it was a good sure enough game. You know, he played like, well. Yeah, exactly. So he looks he like a good that. little goalie. He does, look, and he got his first shutout this week. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's circle Wait, all the way back around. Speaking of players that are rookies making debuts early in their career, let's finally talk about Wade Allison here. Uh, I, I, I told you about him. We right, we talked colleges. a little bit about him. He's a se- he was a second round pick. He finished his college career. Uh, let's talk about his actual debut. Well, the first game he didn't score, but he had four shots and he was out. He was just all over the place, like probably the most active flyer on the ice. It seemed like now, now maybe it maybe lay up on my part, you know, from from my standpoint. But I basically talked a couple times about him. Said, "Oh, it won't take him long to score his first goal," and I made him player to watch on Saturday. And what happened? Lo and behold, there he was. There he was, side of the net, wide open ready to take a pass from Kevin Hayes and had a wide open net and scored his first goal. And you saw it get much easier than that. Well, and I loved what they said on the broadcast when I went back and saw the clip because, you know, they sit there and say, not only, first of all, not only does it get any easier than that, like you said, but he didn't just like go, Oh look, it's a wide open net. I'll just tap it in. He He tried to put it through the net. He wanted to put it through the net. Exactly. So he didn't want there to be any doubt at all. So you got that. He, just let it rip, and he's he's all of two feet away from the net. You know, he Wade Allison was not social distancing from the net by any stretch. He was right up on it, ready to go. <sighs> That's bad. Okay, I, I, that one's terrible. Low hanging fruit right now, but <laughs> but he he slams this thing. He just absolutely puts everything he has behind it, and then the celebration afterwards. Now already it's all you know it's a good celebration because it's you never have this no question about it who scored the goal and who's got his first, but also. You just saw, like, for a guy who has been hurt so much, for a guy who has waited a long time to get to this point, you know, he, that's that's all that. He, he reached that a pinnacle. Time. He but reached a peak there. That, but that's all that time and all yep. that effort coming off of his shoulders and going, I can do this at this level. Like, honest to goodness, I was even, I, during the uh, game yesterday, I hopped on, uh, Russ Cohen has a mini podcast, if you will, that he does in between periods where we just sit there. He calls it Two Masked Men. It's really funny, actually. We sit in the press box and just chat. He had me come on yesterday and do it. And he even said, is it is basically the only question with him whether he stays, like, he can play 10 to 15 games in a row? Because it's not like he can't play hockey, you know? No, he and certainly he can. can. Uh, also, I wanted to point out, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, at YWT Podcast, uh, you will notice uh, that I may or may not have some red hair. And I just wanted to point out, this kid is a ginge. Uh, 
This kid is a ginge. He is translucent. He is see-through. He looks like Jacob Voracek in 2012. Okay, hang on a second. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, go back and look at a picture. Because Jacob Voracek in 2012. Holy. This is how bad this is. So, he's already got the flow going a little bit. He's working on it. If he grew out a full beard... I'd want to see a picture of you and him side by side, honestly. Like, oh, come doesn't... on. Listen, I know I'm pale. I know I'm pale. Mm-hmm. That kid is invisible. <laughs> it, sprinkle a little water on him and he disappears. It, he... does, does, does he reach Danny Briere levels of pale? Oh, man. I mean, Danny Briere was ghost-like. I, yeah. yeah. Danny Briere almost looked... Sick sometimes. Yeah, I know. He almost looked sallow. He doesn't. Uh, I, no, I not anymore. No, he looks great now. But no, when he was, when he that, was in I, his trimmest state. No, but I'm saying I think that has to also to do with has to do with when you're on the ice and you're expelling all this energy, but it's also a colder environment. Right. I think that that had a little something to do with it because when you see him, you know, suit press box. And also, he played so hard, he was probably sweating off twenty pounds a game. Dude, let's be let's be or, real, Danny Briere, or it probably felt like that. But nonetheless, no, I'm serious. If he if he grew out more of a beard than he has, which I think right now he's got like a little bit like a semi goatee look kind of going because he's got like the mustache, right. he's got like the little chin hair. Oh, well, listen, the, the the kid's very young. He might not be able to grow a full beard yet. <laughs> well, he's in his twenties though. It's not like he's twenty three. Listen, I couldn't grow this until I was twenty three. Listen, Wade, if you're listening, if you hear this, <laughs> grow the beard. Let's go. Oh, I, fully, I could see him doing it. He, he seems like that type of guy. I mean, any. Yeah, he like he's he seems very, you know what he seems? Actually, he seems like a very chill out kind of guy. Like he's very relaxed, you know? Well, we we talked about this team not necessarily not, caring and needing a little bit of a jump. Not. He may not be the best fit there, but no, 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 no. <laughs> like I, I mean, he's relaxed with the stage, I suppose. Like okay, he seems comfortable. Seem like, he doesn't seem mesmerized. I'll tell you that. He looked like he just went out and wanted to play, and he said he, he was nervous. He said he was nervous on Thursday. But. He looked like he belonged. Like even you see the clip of his um his little solo warm up lap, and he was smiling the whole time. He knew what he was doing. He was enjoying it. Absolutely. He he oh, knew yeah. where he was. And it seems like he's been enjoying it pretty much every step of the way. So that's, you know, but it's exciting to watch him. And he's looked really solid. And you know, they've had in, they've had injuries lately, and that might be a benefit to him because they let him play with Claude Drew and Joel Farabee right. in the last game. At even strength alone, that will do something for you. Absolutely. Then go, then go on the power play and it's Drew, it's it's uh, sorry, it's Hayes. Drew Hayes. I think Provorov was on the back end. You know, he's got talent around him on that in that area. You know what I mean? Like he's got good players around him, so it really shouldn't be a surprise. He's always been around the net. I don't look, and I know a lot of other people feel the same way. I don't love him at net front because that's not really like. Let's do this way. He just scored his first goal by like virtually. He scored his first goal Wayne Simmons style. Okay, that's not really what he's known for. He right. scored. He scored a goal in his first professional game in the AHL by taking a ridiculous shot. I remember it. Get him in a spot where he can let a shot go. And, you know, maybe right now it's not what they need. Like, they're trying to put him in a good role. Right. Maybe, you know, like, you got to work on that stuff. And you got to get him into his natural fit somehow. Like, and and you know what's a shame? And, you know, because there was somebody, I I saw a tweet come out that was like, what, what, you know, when did Joel Farabee stop being the guy who shoots or whatever? Because he had a shot to shoot a puck last game and didn't. But. But here's the thing. He had Allison kind of coming with him, and you go, 
if you got a guy with that kind of shot with you and he's already scored in this game and he's probably been the player with the most jump in the last two games, aren't you trying to get him the puck too? Absolutely, especially you know? when you know it's like, his second game and the kid's on fire. Uh, well, you mentioned you mentioned that Wade Allison kind of got his shot this week because uh, there were a bunch of injuries in the flyer system. Uh, that's not actually the only reason that the roster was a little thin and Wade Allison got called up because the other thing that's happened since our last show it was the trade deadline. Yes. And the roster did get a little thinner uh, between our last show and the current show because you traded Michael Roffel and you traded Eric Gustafson. Was that it? Or was there one more? No, just Roffel and Gustafson. It was just Roffel and Gustafson. Okay. No, what you're thinking of is the fact that there was technically a third move made on deadline day. That oh, right, right. You re-signed. The Philadelphia Flyers re-signed Scott Lawton. Right. Was the other, was the other uh, transaction. Uh, but either way, uh, you move Raffle, and maybe that's a spot that that opened up for Allison, right? Right, for sure. And I mean, like that—that's what you were trying to, to me. What you were trying to do collectively is Michael Raffle was moved to open a forward spot, and Gustafson was moved to open a defenseman spot, and that's yep. it. Like that's the only thing about it. Because now it, it, we we spent part of the show talking about Cam York. If Cam York makes his debut in the next three weeks. It's because of a trade, to our, like then the Gustafson trade was Eric, worth it, right? It's yep. because of trading Eric Gustafson that opened up the roster spot, that opened up the cap space, even by retaining, like they retained salary on both. They retained salary re- on both, right? Which, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. These when Comcast owns the team, it doesn't matter. Well, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is that it doesn't matter to cap hits because at the end of the year, they're gone anyway. You're retaining salary for the remainder of this year. Right. It's they're both expiring UFAs. You traded them because you could retain, and this, it disappears at the end right. of the year. Which, by the way, I did not know this until browsing cap friendly. Apparently, you're only allowed to retain salary on three contracts. Correct. So I didn't realize that was... Th- and maybe that's because the Flyers don't tend to retain salary too often in these days. See, so you say well, that, they, they, but they well, were they, for a while because for well, a while they were retaining on... I think Andrew McDonald still counted, or the the oh, buyout oh, no, no. from Andrew. That those are buyouts, though. So I knew oh, about the different. buyouts. Okay, I'm talking about this is like when you make a trade and you say we're going to retain. So like they were, right, they, the only they guy- retained on. Uh, they Dude, traded somebody to Montreal like two years ago, and they were tra- they retained money. It was a weird deal. Oh no 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 no! What you're thinking of is, and again, it's it's one that comes off the books this year. You're talking about they acquired David Schlemko, and then that's they the one, on him, right? Or not retained? They bought in the him Dale out. Weiss deal, right? They, oh, that they, was a buyout. Okay, yeah, they okay. bought him out. So they retained. No, the guy you're thinking of who they retained on was Gudis. They retained a little right. on Gudis. I knew they retained on Gudis, but that was over because his contract expired, and he went right. to Florida, so he's not on the books. So, I but I didn't realize. Like all we talked about was is that was the only guy they were retaining salary on last year was Gudis. That right. was it. And it was so you didn't really think too hard about oh there's only two more spots left where you could retain and not only that but when the deadline hit they weren't giving anybody away so right. it didn't even it didn't even come into question well and that's the thing is you're only using your retention spots when you're selling much, assets basically and you're only doing it pretty much if in, in especially in a year like this when you're selling a guy who has less than a year left on his contract generally speaking in the NHL you get one of two things for when teams retain salary UFA. Or, or like a trade deadline deal UFA or trade deadline deal, but he's got a year left. Right. That's about the only time. And then there's the Phil Kessel deal, which for some reason the Toronto Maple Leafs are still paying $1.2 million of that salary. But they retained on that for like seven years, whatever. That's a whole different situation. Most of the time, it's a year or half a year. Right, exactly. And, you know, well, and see, you're right. So here's the thing. 
The money that's still retained by the Flyers on both of those players is gone at the end of the year. Right. The it's buyout, the, the buyouts are gone at the end of the year. Realistically, I mean, you've just by doing this whole thing right there, and granted, it's it doesn't make a big difference because in the same amount of time they were going to be off the books anyway. You know, so the salary in full would have been off. But Michael Roffel makes one point six million. Gustafson makes three million. You've got another two and a half million in buyout money. Do the math, and you just opened up about seven million dollars. That's that's a significant player in today's NHL. And and look, not for nothing, and I've had some people mention it to me, and it's the truth. No, Carter Hart's next deal is not going to be as big as everybody thought it was going to be. I think you're now no. in the bridge deal stage at this point. Flat gonna, cap for the next couple of years. And he's going to get that very, like, he's not going to make less than a million dollars, I'll tell you that much. No. But you might be able to get away with two to two and a half mil now instead of the five mil you thought you were going to have to pay right. or more. Like, well, he's not getting the Matt Murray deal, right? Like, that's what we're trying to get at. We did touch on it briefly, but uh, since we're discussing kind of future Flyers cap, uh, the Scott Lawton extension kicks in next year, and he goes from two point three to three million, so he gets a, about a seven hundred thousand dollar raise. Which is why I'm a little baffled at why people care so much to an extent. Like, if you care, you no, know, like there's two reasons why you should care and maybe be negative about it, and that would be one, it's more of the same. You are kind of looking for much more of a shakeup, right? And two is term because. In the grand scheme of things, it's a five-year deal, and it's like Devil's five- Advocate says that long-term deals for bottom six players, which is what Scott Lawton has historically been, tend to not work out, right? And you point to the Jay Beagle deal in Vancouver and a couple of these other longer deals at a fairly low AAV. I think Jay Beagle's only making $3 million also. Well, But the problem well- is Scott Lawton signed his deal at 27, and Jay Beagle signed that deal at 32 and those are very different five-year gaps or very different five-year chunks in a player's uh, career look and let's let's be real and again it's something that's come up i've seen it through twitter as i browse through sean couturier's next contract you've got to be careful because in the in the grand scheme of things you're going to start it at the right time but it's going to end probably at the wrong not the wrong time but it's going to end in the twilight right and well the the other thing you have to manage that same off season is drew claude Giroux's next contract which well Hopefully is not too long, and hopefully is not too much, but I'm a little nervous because we've had a lot of conversations about this franchise being loyal to a fault, and I'm a little bit worried about a long-term extension. Claude Giroux's next contract needs to be Sean Couturier money currently with very low term. Right. I think those two players need to take up about the same amount of cap that they currently do, but but you can give Sean Couturier a raise. See, in the exact same amount that that Claude Giroux is getting a cut to a, to an extent, and see that's and that's roughly. The thing. But that's the thing. This is why it comes back to Giroux all the time because Claude Giroux combined with Jake Voracek make up like something along the lines of I forget how much the percentage is, but it's something ridiculous, like twenty percent of your cap or something. Like that. Right. And I'm throwing it out. It was it was mentioned. I've seen it before, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Now, if you if you made that Sean Couturier and blank take up twenty five percent or twenty percent of your cap space or whatever it is. It's not as much of a problem. Right. It does it. We're not because of not how young problem, Sean Couturier it, is. No, but it feels like it balances out, I think, is what it is. It's like it yes. feels like then you sit there and you say, Well, Sean Couturier is the is the two way guy. He does right. play both ends better. And that's not completely what Claude Drew is all about. Like Claude Drew is a, a decent two way player. He's solid defensively, I would and say. I, and I'd say that it's at this stage of his career. I'm not saying like he never was. I think right. he was better at, at a, t- a certain point. I think he's not as good of a defensive player anymore. Yeah, it, it, it that's has, fair no, to say. At, well, because and that's just the speed of the game gets faster. You don't sometimes. 
You know, it is what it is. But that being said, um, when you that's what I think it's a lot. And I think I think the years that bother people because it's five years of kind of saying more of the same. Right. And it, it, to me, it's not like like I don't view him as I don't view him as a second liner. I don't view him as a fourth liner where you're paying a fourth liner three mil. I think you're paying a third liner three million dollars, which in the grand scheme of things, Scott Lawton's making three million dollars. Oscar Limblom's making three million dollars. That's where you start. My my evaluation of Scott Lawton has been pretty similar uh, for about the last year or so. And it's that if he's your third line center, you probably have a very good team. Uh but you're not embarrassed if he if he's on your second line sometimes, kind of like we saw in the bubble last year, right? And that player, that that kind of middle six, you know, definitionally middle six guy. Sometimes he's on your second power play unit type of player. That's mm-hmm. the guy I'm talking about. You'll pay that guy three million dollars every day of the week because that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy that helps a team go from kind of the the boston situation we have one good line and some depth and I to wonder, a good solid top to bottom team scott lawton is the kind of depth secondary scoring that good teams need i, I do also wonder if, if his penalty kill ability has anything to do with him look the penalty kills it certainly awful. should no listen the penalty kill's been awful this year collectively but he's one of the guys that's been a staple of it for several years and i feel like you can get him right so to speak more than other guys like i think you're right. i think you're like i do think you're really if Nick Aubé-Kubel is not in the penalty box, then he's on the penalty kill, and I don't think that's working. He should be in Lehigh Valley, but that's just me. <laughs> I don't, you know, he's got a, I believe he's got a two-year deal that started this year. I don't, I wouldn't throw, put it past him to, to move on from him this year. Bye. I'll throw Seattle a pick. Please take him. No, I wouldn't go that far, because if, I, if you're Seattle right now, you're doing everything you can to get a $7 million contract off your books. Seven to eight mil. Like yeah, you're, you're, trying, right. you're You're literally, if you can throw as much as you can at them to say, here, take Jake Voracek, take James Van Riemsdyk, you're doing it. Yeah, I don't know how much you have to throw at them to get them to take James Van Riemsdyk at this point. He's had a good um, season. Yeah, on, a, on, a, on a team that struggled, the fact that he is he has did, as many goals as he has. He did, but he's older, and the contract is what it is. And okay. He's, and, he's, and Van Riemsdyk specifically is more streaky. Right. But what's that contract got left on it? Three years after this one? Two, I think, actually. Two years left after this one. Okay, so I think... It was a five-year deal. He he played because Hextall signed him. So the year Hextall got fired would have been his first year, I believe. Okay. Of the contract. So this is year number three. And then last season, they had obviously a lot of success. The irony is the team had a lot of success. And he didn't. And he was not really part of it. So a year ago, I was sitting here talking about the Seattle draft, and I said, I think the Flyers are going to be in the kind of spot to trade a first-round pick to Seattle to get them to take James Van Riemsdyk. And I think that's still the case, but I don't think it has to be a first-round pick anymore. I think you can get by with like a second-round pick because James Van Riemsdyk isn't a value. I, I, I have a feeling if... Because the thing about Seattle is, right, if he's got two years left on his deal, they can take that deal, $7 million. If he's not good for them or if they're not good if they're not as successful as maybe you know vegas was or that they're hoping to be we talked about it earlier you flip you retain half boom james van reams i get three and a half million dollars is a very attractive asset to a lot of teams in the nhl yeah potentially i i still wonder i mean van reams like would satisfy the core thing to an extent 
I want. I still wonder if you really need to just sit there and say, you know what? It's got to be really, Voracek. Well, to make an impact. I mean, how much longer can you kind of go off of it? Like, like without without making the obvious decision, or not the obvious decision, but the easiest way to do it, which is just don't re-sign Claude Drew, which I can't see them doing. They're not doing like, that. No, I know, but that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, how else? Like, it, it continues. To, it, it will. And it, it will continue to be as it continues to be now. It will continue to be Drew and Voracek's team until one of them is not there. Right. Like but, I still, uh, I still don't even feel like it's Sean Couturier's team yet, and it should be. I agree with you that I think Voracek. If, if the Flyers could choose, I think Voracek would be the player that they got rid of. The, the, the problem is they don't have a choice. <laughs> right. The problem is they can only they can only protect X people, and you would like it's, it's going to be one of these assets. But if it's James Van Riemsdyk in a second, or Jake Voracek in a first. I don't know. I'm probably not giving up a first-round pick. Right? If, if Seattle comes calling and they say, well, listen, we'll take James Van Riemsdyk, but we need a second-round pick from you. Or we'll take J- Jake Voracek, but we need a first-round pick from you. I don't know. I'm probably going James Van Riemsdyk in the second at that point because I don't think – I agree, but I think at that point you kind of just cut bait and ride it out and let – Vortex contract expire let's, if you can't trade them. Well, listen, let's be let's be realistic for a moment. I'm not disappointed if the guy who goes to Seattle is James Van like because at the end of the day, right before free agency hits, you're going to get another $7 million because there is no, right. for the most part anyway, there is no salary retention from a new team. You right. know what I mean? Like, they're a new team. They've got to reach a cap space at some point. Like, they got to get into the cap frame of mind at some point in time. So somewhere out there, there's also going to be good players on cheap contracts that you're going to get. And that's what you'll do. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, th- this... Right, they this, do also have to get to the cap floor. Well, right. So, you're going to have to have guys who make some money here. And maybe you do that with, you know, ultimately with a guy like that. And I don't know. Maybe something changes. Van Riemsdyk's never played in what, what would be the Western Conference before. That could be something different. I don't, you know... Because Vegas, be- Vegas ended up taking Flurry, who was obviously making some money. And then wasn't Derek Englund kind of their big... England was one of their first, but I don't recall him making a lot of I money. I thought he was. I remember they took at least one somebody who was making too much money. Uh, Paul Stasny was there. His contract wasn't necessarily the best. I thought Stasny was a trade, though. Was he a trade? Maybe he, he was, was a trade. Was Vegas has traded so many people. The, the difference... All right, so here's the biggest difference to me, and I also made a reference to this while talking about the Flyers on the radio earlier this week, because I turned around when, when they lost 6-1 to one to Washington again. I turned around, I even said... There's an element of that that is almost expansion team like. Like expansion teams like Atlanta and Nashville in the beginning get dumpstered like that. Get thrown out and like, thrown around, blown out multiple times in a season early on because the the best thing that you have as a team is your draft picks. Realistically, you're get you, you are always your getting, homegrown talent. But well, because you were always getting the lowest of the low for the, from the other teams. You weren't getting like this. There wasn't this. I don't want to say there wasn't this system, but you didn't have to expose people like you did. Expansion teams were bad. Because you didn't have to expose anybody with right. real talent, so to speak. And I'm not, or not real talent, but you know what I mean. Like You didn't have to give up your most or, – or consider your most talented guys. For, right. You know what I mean? Like You didn't have to think about the possibility of if you really wanted to, you were protecting four – you know, five forwards from your top six, you had to throw a guy from your top nine in there to make it, you know, or one or two guys from your top nine in there to right. make it seven. 
and then, oh, by the way, you had to protect this kid who had come up and started his contract but wasn't with the team just yet or battled injuries so he wasn't on your roster. Like, you had to play that card, right? Like, so you're sitting there going, here's a guy who can physically and, you know, mentally handle a top nine role, maybe a top six role, but we can't protect him because we've already gone through the top, like the amount of time he has before he has to be protected. So we have to protect the other guys. Or you're sitting there with four really good defensemen, and that means you can only protect four forwards, so two of your top six are exposed. So right. you're giving up good players. Bottom line, you're giving up good players. Or even goalies, because a goalie, you might have two really good ones. You're going, I have yep. no choice. i got to pick the one that I want to hold on to. And the Flyers got lucky a couple years ago that, that a lot of their good young pieces weren't eligible, and you ended up losing right. Pierre-Edouard Belmar, who at the time was you know on your fourth line. I'm still but, surprised that I believe because I believe that year they could have lost Lawton. I um, believe so too, and I'm surprised they didn't. Unless I unless I don't remember that they protected him. I maybe there might have been a deal. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I thought there was right. a deal involved. Well, but but that was the only thing they got, wasn't it? Wasn't Belmar the only maybe. thing they got? Because if if not, there was supposed to be draft picks involved and stuff like that. Because remember, right. remember Vegas ended up with three first rounders that year. Maybe Ron Hextall bought somebody a stake. I don't know. Because <laughs> at the time it was Hextall, right? Right. Uh, well, because remember, this is what, in order to protect, like, this is what in Minnesota, this is what Chuck Fletcher did to make sure that certain guys didn't go. And ultimately, what you ended up having happen was you ended up giving, I forget who the one piece was, but Alex Tuck was part of it. And Alex Tuck turned into a good player because he had to. To make that the Florida deal. the Florida Panthers were the worst because they said here we yes. want you to take Riley Smith so here also take Jonathan Marcheseau and then those guys ended up being absolute killers. What for was Vegas. the uh, what was the purpose of that so they wouldn't take a, I guess so they wouldn't take a Barkov and a Huberdo or something it's, like it that. Was, like, it was somebody no it was somebody specific and I can't remember who it was well, but it was, it was so they could protect. Well, I don't I'm, remember who right, it was right away. Right away at the time I'm thinking of. Huberto, Barkov, Dadanov were all part of the team. Yeah. I don't remember who it was, but like somebody they needed been, to protect somebody. Was Mike Hoffman part of the team then? It might have been. So. It, no, Mike no, Hoffman. No, no, no. No, he still would have been in Ottawa. Yeah. Either way, I, I remember they had to do something, and they ended up giving Vegas like multiple very. Oh, no. Uh, Columbus was the one. Columbus was the one that they. Uh, it was so they didn't give up somebody else because it was Carlson. And I think a first round pick. So they didn't take. No, no, no. I remember part of that deal. I thought it wasn't. Um, wasn't it so they didn't take like Seth Jones or something? Probably. Well, that would have been, yeah. been. It would have been Jones and Wierenski. And Wierenski was still relatively new. So I don't know if he had to be exposed. But yeah, I think I that's the thing. But I get the point. And um, I think. Didn't they give them like David Clarkson's contract just so they had yes. money? And it's like hey, that here, was the thing. We'll give they you money to get to the cap floor. Here's William Carlson. They traded them William Carlson and I think a pick so that they would select David Carlson or yeah, David, David Clarkson's Carson. contract. Right. That's what happened with with uh, Columbus, and they ended up giving William Carlson a, a 42 goal season. Right, because or William that Carlson or William that. Carlson a 42 goal season because that was yeah. William Carlson gave them a 42 goal yeah. season. Wow. Columbus gave Vegas a 42-goal season in the form of William Carlson. Uh, that season was crazy. That first Vegas run was absolutely in, wild. In, in in fairness, that season also gave, got William Carlson a $5.9 million cap hit for a seven-year or an eight-year deal. It sure did. Good for him. 
Although he still delivers. He's a good player. Oh, he's a very good player. That contract, it, it's he's a very good player. That's not a bad contract that at all. Is, but. That is the um, that is the risk you take, though. Like, cause how that is the risk you take. Because well, William Carlson right now is 28, but, but that was, what, three years ago now? That was, Something like, like that. I think four, he was 25 four, or 26 four. when he signed the I'm deal. Sorry. I, I'm sorry, four, because Vegas has had three playoff runs. They've made a cup final. They could have made another cup run if they didn't get knocked Shut out in the first round. In a game seven, and they worst. and then Oof. they were what they were conference final last year. Hey, what was a worse five minute major? Uh, Logan Couture in that uh, that uh, Western Conference final or the Sam Moran game misconduct? The push. Uh, well, the Moran one was pretty bad, but <laughs> I was at a five. I know we're we're not going to talk about it as a major show topic, but how on earth is that a five? Well, the officiating in this league is very suspect. Uh, it's this, this season, it's been really bad. Either way, we have gone off the rails, and when we start talking about the refs, that means it's time to get out of here. Um, before we did get out of here, uh, I wanted to mention our social medias. And uh, before we do that, though, one more thing. Um, last night, uh, we saw a little bit of NHL history in the form of Patrick Marlowe tying Gordie Howe for number of games played. Yeah. Uh, 1,767, I believe, is the number. Hold on, so, I know I know the best place to pull it up because it's like literally plastered all over the NHL's media. So yeah, one thousand seven hundred and sixty-eight will be the record. Will be the record, and obviously it'll be more than that because Patrick Marlowe isn't stopping anytime soon. I don't think. Uh, um, so we just we just kind of wanted to mention it, and well, it, he's not stopping this season, right? The the, the record's not going to stop at sixty-eight because he's going to play more games oh, this no, no, season. No. I wouldn't but, be shocked. If, I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back for another year. To be honest, I completely. Either. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm surprised they didn't trade him at the deadline so we could sign back with the Sharks in the offseason. Um, <laughs> if I, he was, if he wasn't going to break the record, they probably would have. I think that has something to do with it, and I don't know. It's tough because here's a guy again who you like. You wish would just go like he. He should win something. He, but you know what. It's, you know, I've seen it. I've seen an argument like this a lot with Claude Giroux. So you know, this is what it is. A lot of players who are deemed really good in this league, su- possibly close to superstar quality or very good. You know, these guys who build really good established careers. A lot of players have Hall of Fame level careers that don't win the Stanley Cup. It just like it happens. Yep. Well, and and it's. There's a chance that that's going to go down as Patrick Marlowe's legacy, and they've they've tried to ship him around and get him a cup well, before. And well, and and I say, you're right; they've tried because Toronto is certainly one spot with it, and now Joe Thornton's well, taking that place. Yep, and and he was and they, he was in guy, Pittsburgh right? for half a year last well, year. Like and, they have no they, problem trading him to where they he they think he can win. But there's another guy right there. I just mentioned, you know, Joe Thornton's another one player who's going to he's going to go into the hall of fame is he going to win a cup that's what's left oh, to find I out i think joe thornton might win the one this year but i think they're trying uh-huh. to go for it this year uh-huh. i think uh-huh. we're not an nhl show you can listen to open ice hits with hunter brody yeah. for that we, but, we specifically uh, t- we specifically talked about that team we mentioned the uh but i'm the, sure you guys talked a lot about deal. the trade deadline and the toronto maple leafs and man well, they are gearing up do you want to face off do you want to face off against a fourth line of joe thornton wayne simmons and nick felino in the playoffs i don't think that'll be their fourth line I, no but it certainly could be that but that would be that would be the ultimate grinder line Jeez. and in the playoffs do you want to play do you want to play a seven game series against that line no you don't no you don't i, well, I already don't want to play a seven game series against austin matthews now <sighs> you know 
No but kidding. Those guys, but those guys with it, like, geez. Um, that seems but, scary. Yeah, I know. But so, and they're good defensively for once. So here's so here's the thing about you bringing up open ice hits really quick. Okay. Because we d- our whole last show was based around we didn't record on our usual time slot. Like we waited, we held off, we went. Why not? Why do the show on Monday or in in just for Monday, it to get trade deadline? Just right. for like to speculate. Let's just do it after the deadline. So we go and we do a, a show last Tuesday. And that was when we did the show. We did it Tuesday morning. So deadline's over. We start talking about deadline stuff. Okay, great. We were planning to do another show last week that kind of got pushed off to this week because Broads has been doing a couple of other things going on around his thing. Obviously, his he's doing weekends on Philly radio, for one. Um, he's doing post he's I, by the way i also mentioned in discussing it with the, one of the producers at the station who was kind of asking like hey where's when was the last episode or have you recorded a new one since or whatever that my, i would su- suspect that since he does a post game podcast and does a video for every game typically in the city that keeping up with the sixers games keeping up with phillies games doing a show by the way that is sponsored that leads into phillies games on weeknights so he's got all those things that are actually trying to help make him some money right um in addition to that that he's probably just a little bit hockeyed out right now at like doing it about the flyer season specifically and yeah. saying oh i'm gonna make a video for another six one loss i can't probably really not blame feeling, you probably yeah. not feeling it so he hasn't like like this weekend i i ended up sending a message it was thursday night going into friday because we were kind of talking about staggering the thing by three days again same thing we always did so instead of monday thursday let's do tuesday friday for example right so i texted him on thursday night and i'm like were we still planning to record tomorrow like Honestly, not not trying to push, like just going, I don't care if we are or not. I just want to know what time I'm getting up in the morning because I'll either right. be able to sleep in a little bit more than usual or, or, not. I'll, get, or I'll get up at 7 a.m. and we'll do the show. And he goes, well, crap, I totally forgot I'm doing like a Twitch stream playing the show until like 2 o'clock in the morning. So I don't uh, – he goes, that 7.30 wake-up call is going to be real. And he, and he actually even – the next morning, he even canceled his. Uh, he usually does like a coffee show where he just live streams and takes comments and chats with people, like not chats and with people. And like he mixed that too. He ended up mixing that one the next morning too. So okay, um, like well, ultimately we we're a little bit off schedule with it, but I'm I'm saying my guess would be in reality, the the way the flyer season has gone has kind of been a hockey turnoff. So trying yeah. to sit there and get amped, like getting amped up to talk hockey is a thing, but it's also like we're. I th- I think he has turned his attention to we've got three weeks left until the playoffs hit and playoff hockey is going to be exciting and it will be better I guess knowing that the Flyers are not participating like that yeah, we're getting the, our the playoffs are going to be a lot of fun this year you know and I'm like look of course we'd love for the Flyers to be participating but the point being since Bang. that's no but no, <laughs> no well no 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 but since that right. takes that takes an element of what he has to talk about away. It almost becomes the replacement. Like we can do this podcast twice a week to talk playoff hockey because the Flyers aren't playing every other night. Totally. Like the schedule is just. Honestly, I will not miss this scheduling if they go back to October to April and let's play eighty-two with more separation. Like, and I think been, that's the plan. It's been pretty brutal. I'm not well, as it, so. as usual, you know, all our listeners will make sure to redirect them over to Open Ice Hits. Uh, you can find that pretty much everywhere, yeah. right? It's I, it's on yeah, Kevin's. I, yeah, I do share it, but I also it's um bro, if you, if you want to, I'll give him a shout too. Broads Media is the name of the social media. Absolutely, he's he's on Twitter now with that. He's on Instagram with that, I believe. I'm not sure about Facebook things like that, but 
you know, Facebook's not really the popular one anymore anyway. Well, um, either way, listeners of the show, by now they definitely follow you at Kevin underscore Durso. So all the information is over there. Yep. If you don't, make sure to drop a follow. You can also follow the show at YWT Podcast, and that's pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, sportstalkphilly.com. Make sure to follow them at Sports Talk PHL. And uh, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, We will be back next week. We will still be here weekly through the end of the season. Uh, Maybe not much after that. We might be going back to our summer schedule pretty quickly. Uh, The the team's pretty depressing. (laughs) We're we're ready to go into our summer schedule, I think. Look, look, we sat there and we kind of hinted at previously when we weren't sure what kind of thing was going to happen with this team, if any big change was coming or whatever. We kind of hinted at, like, if something ha- happens that requires us to hop on midweek and do an emergency, emergency then we'll jump show, on and do a show. We will. So that might be our off-season plan. Is we're just going to do our usual summer schedule, and if something happens, we'll go. Oh, hey, by the way, we're going to hop on and do a random show because something happened. You know? Yeah. So make sure that make sure to subscribe to us everywhere, including on YouTube, so you can catch our episodes as soon as they go up. If we do end up doing any of those surprise midweek episodes. Yep. And. Uh, until then, I think that's just about it for this week. A couple games this week. Flyers actually have a couple days off. So, you know, we're going to go at least three days with this week without seeing a Flyers loss. And that's kind of nice. That won't be mu- and there won't be much to talk about next week either because there's only two games. So Probably not. Re- realistically, so, uh, because realistically, I mean, there's a game on Sundays and we're going to do what we did before. Right, so, so this is pre-Sunday. Next week, we're going off the rails again. So uh, good luck <laughs> and we'll see, you ne- we'll see you next week. <laughs>